Fiona Lee, and welcome to Inside Intercom. If you have a great product, but no one has heard of it, did you really build a great product? Your answer to the question might reveal what you think about the role of marketing for your business. Matt Hodges, our VP of Commercial Product Strategy, posed this question to the Intercom team when he joined Intercom in 2014 as our first official product marketer. He joined right after we passed the $1 million mark in ARR and after we raised a successful round of Series B funding. You might be thinking if things were going so well without an official marketer, why do we even hire Matt? Owen and Des, our founders, hired Matt because increasingly they saw a need for people to understand not just what we were building, but also why they should care about what we were building. We needed someone who could tell people a story about how Intercom was shaping the future of business and through that story capture their attention and motivate action. At the Inside Intercom World Tour last year, Matt tells his story of how Intercom product marketing got started. He shares how Owen and Des pitched him on a job and what challenges he found when he first came on board. And he talks about the work we've done since he's joined to incorporate storytelling into every aspect of product development. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you also listen to the other episode from Brian Donahue, Intercom's Director of Product Management. In it, Brian also talks about marketing, but from the point of view of the product team that had to adjust its mindset and processes for the good of the product and the company. To keep up with more episodes, subscribe to our show on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. So, on to Matt's talk. You're listening to Inside Intercom. Intercom, making internet business personal at scale. Learn more at intercom.com. G'day, New York City. How are we? Awesome. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having us. I'm Matt, and I was Intercom's first Australian. But it's not why I'm here tonight. I was, thank you, there's always one. I was also Intercom's first marketer. And so tonight, I'm going to share with you the lessons that I've learned, or as Emmett would put it, the mistakes I've made being the first marketer at a product first company like Intercom. Can I start with a quick show of hands? How many of you work on the product side of the business? Okay? All right, now about marketing.、Uh, almost 50 50. I think half of you are going to like what I got to say. Let's start by rewinding the clock to a little more than three and a half years ago when Intercom was just 50 people at the time and we could all fit in a single photo. We just hit a milestone 1.2 million in annual recurring revenue and raised a $23 million Series B. And on average, there are about 750 new Intercom apps being created each and every month. And I should mention that most of those 50 people work on the RD side of the business. And our growth back then was primarily organic and largely driven by word of mouth, thanks largely to a lot of our amazing customers like you. So thank you. It was also driven by Dez's prolific blogging on Inside Intercom. I'm sure a few of you have read some of his posts, if not all of them. The man is a genius. He is also my boss, so I'm kind of paid to say that. But it wasn't until two years after founding Intercom that Des and our co founder and CEO, Owen McCabe, decided that it was time to invest in marketing. And I have proof. I went and dug up the original LinkedIn email that was sent to me back in January of 2014. Now, I know what you're thinking Matt, you actually read your emails? 
And I did at the time. I'm glad I read this one, but I've since stopped. But in that in-mail, Owen said, and I quote, the opportunity for Intercom to become a multi-billion dollar business is largely a marketing challenge. I couldn't agree more. So I kept reading. The product almost completely sells itself. Right, I've heard that one before. Bullshit. <laughs> Keep reading. We have double-digit growth and revenue in the millions and have spent nothing on sales and marketing. Now, I'd never heard of Intercom at the time, but here I was thinking, huh, this sounds like another Atlassian, which is where I was working. So intrigued, I kept reading, and Owen finished by saying that the next step change in growth for the business will come from explaining to the world what we're doing and why. And now, that's something I thought I could help with. So after a couple of beers with Owen and a few scoops with Des, which I've since come to learn are what the Irish call little tiny pints, I became Intercom's first marketer, and I'm not kidding. That's literally how it happened. I will point out, though, that our hiring process is a little different these days, and I'm glad I'm not applying for a new job. I don't think I'd get it. But nonetheless, three and a half years on, we've grown the number of new people signing up to try Intercom every month by more than 1,400% and taken ARR from 1 to 50 million. And that was all me. <laughs> Thank you. Of course, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. This growth has been down to the hard work of a lot of amazing and talented people across the entire company, and of course, our customers. We've been very, very fortunate. But what's more interesting to me is at the same time we've experienced this incredible growth is how the marketing team has grown. It's grown from a team of one, me, to a team of 45. And that in continued investment in marketing, that didn't just happen. I and others really, really had to fight for it. Now, why do I say it was a fight? Well, if you remember back to that in-mail, Owen said, the product almost completely sells itself. That, my friends, is a classic product-first mentality. But fortunately for me, and fortunately for Intercom, Owen was, and still is, a big believer that a successful, sustainable business is not just built on having a great product alone, but rather requires the synergy of great product and great marketing. The two are a dynamic duo of sorts, kind of like Batman and Robin. No one gives a shit about Robin, but Batman could not be Batman without him. Of course, not everyone feels this way, and they need some convincing. And I think it's down to those two words, product first. We'll tell anyone that will listen that we're a product first company, and we thump our chests when we say it. And it turns out it's actually a really attractive selling point when you're trying to hire new talent, myself included. But if we're being honest with ourselves, it's a perspective that's loaded with arrogance, because it's based on the belief if we build it, they will come. How do we get so goddamn arrogant? Well, let's not forget that product first is implicitly set up in contrast to what came before it. And we've been on this journey for the past couple of decades, and it wasn't all too long ago that most software companies were primarily sales first and product second. The mentality certainly wasn't build it and they will come. It was more like sell it and then go tell the product team to build it. This meant that you'd build whatever people would pay you the most for, and your largest customers ended up dictating your roadmap, which meant that your product quickly turned to a pile of shit and started to look like Frankenstein. But even though it was slow, clunky, and goddamn awful to use, you still got paid because your customers were locked in. And then in 2002, along came a little Aussie startup called Atlassian, who some of you might know better for Jira, 
for better or for worse, and I say that with a lot of love, but they became famous for their new approach to selling software. No salespeople. And it worked. You could try any or all of their products free for 30 days without having to speak to anyone, unless, of course, you wanted to, and then someone like me would help you. In addition to that, their prices were so incredibly low at the time that you, the end user, could buy one or all of their products on your own personal credit card. And that really changed the game. And then along came SaaS. Same model, try before you buy, but with an added bonus. You didn't have to install anything. And this further reduced that barrier to adoption and made it possible for anyone to try alternatives to those shitty products that you were forced to use at work. Now, you combine that with a shift towards monthly subscriptions instead of on annual contracts, and your customers are no longer locked in, which means that you've got an environment that makes switching a whole lot easier, cheaper, and palatable. So the question begs, how do you compete in this new world? Simple. You build the best product and it will sell itself. Who needs sales or marketing for that matter? All we have to do is achieve product market fit and word of mouth will just work magic on its own, right? That's how the product first mentality was born, where everything centers around building an amazing product and everything else just comes second. Internally, your product team is put up on a pedestal and not having a marketing team is something that's celebrated. In fact, in 2011, Fred Wilson, who's the co-founder of Union Square Ventures here in New York, he wrote a post titled Marketing, in which he said, marketing is what you do when your product or service sucks. Fred, I'm sorry, mate, but anyone who thinks that marketing cannot add value and help accelerate the growth of your business is just plain naive and in a lot of respects really, really ignorant. But it's not surprising to me that if someone as successful and as influential as Fred believed this, that there were others getting drunk on the product first Kool-Aid too. And that's kind of the environment that I walked into when I joined Intercom as their first marketer. I was really starting at level zero, and I had a lot to prove. It was kind of like being the green chat bubble in an iMessage conversation. <laughs> you're the odd one out, people don't understand why you're there, and you're annoying even. <laughs> Think about it. When I walked in, there was already 50 people at Intercom, and they were doing really, really well by all respects. And a bunch of those 50 people were already wearing their own marketing hats. They just didn't know it. There was a blog a damn successful one, all of you have probably read it, and that had an owner. There were product managers who were releasing new product and writing their own product announcements. And then there was the CEO, Owen, wearing the biggest marketing hat of all, working with the designer to create the marketing site. So while there was no formal marketing team at Intercom when I started, marketing was very much alive and well. At least some aspects of it, it just simply wasn't acknowledged. And I think this is the case at most startups that would call themselves product first where marketing is actually a dirty word. Why is that? Well, I, I think it's because there's a fundamental misunderstanding of marketing's role. In this new world of SaaS, I'm a firm believer that marketing should be involved at every stage of the funnel, from the first point of contact to the decision to purchase and ongoing product education. And that's why I think it's a mistake to think of marketing as a single team. In reality, it's just an umbrella term for a bunch of teams, each with a differentiated core set of skills, wearing their own hats, that are united around this shared idea of creating, capturing, and converting demand. You've got events, 
comms, content, demand gen, brand design, product marketing, and product education. That's seven teams if you were keeping count. And we need more as we grow and as we get more sophisticated. So it's no joke that doing all this is really hard and doing this well is really fucking hard, but you shouldn't shy away from it because if you do build it, even if they do come, they're most likely gonna be confused about what it is your company stands for and what your product can actually do for them. They'll close the tab, walk away, and move on with their lives. Well done, Mr. or Mrs. We don't need marketing. So where do you start? For us, it started with hiring a product marketer, like me, to help communicate to the world what it, what it is we're doing, what we're building, and why you should care. And that's a never-ending project. And this is where we started, because there's absolutely no point in spending a bunch of money to acquire new customers if you haven't gotten this thing right first. Just as Simon Sinek, who's the best-selling author of Start With Why, says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So my first priority when I joined Intercom was to overhaul the homepage of the marketing site, which is the first, and unfortunately for most, the last impression that people get when they discover your product or service for the first time. So remembering back to that email I got all those years ago, the very first thing that I did was head over Intercom's website to understand what it is that they did. Simple, personal messaging for businesses and their customers read the headline. Now, I had not, knew nothing about Intercom at this stage, and I was thinking to myself, sounds a little bit like HipChat, which was one of the products I led marketing for at the time, but if you know anything about Intercom, Intercom's nothing like HipChat. And it wasn't until I invested a bunch more time reading and diving into some blog posts on the Inside Intercom blog that I actually got a sense for what Intercom stood for as a company and what they were actually trying to do, which is to create an entirely new way to connect with your customers. And that was my new message at the time. So you have to remember, though, that most people, most of your future customers, are not shopping around for a job at your company. They're actually shopping for a solution to their problem. And they're not going to invest that extra time that I did to read and learn what it is that you actually fucking do. They're just going to bounce, literally. So that's why your homepage is so critically important, and it's where I first started. And it was my real first win at Intercom. I'd scored some points, and I was making some progress, but I had a long way to go. Next up for me was winning the hearts and minds of our product team, specifically our product managers at the time, Colin, Brian, and Michelle, and of course our VP of product, Paul Adams. Funny story about Paul and I. I actually broke Paul's thumb after being on the job for just three months. Clumsy fellow fell over my leg when we were playing a friendly game of football. And if you type Paul underscore thumb into our Slack instance, you get this sweet emoji now. Anyway, poor guy couldn't write an email for a couple of months, which I actually think Brian, Michelle, and Colin appreciated and helped my case. My point, though, is that I needed to show the product team how I could amplify their efforts and their work without getting in their way. They were releasing and building all this really, really cool stuff, but they weren't doing themselves or the product any justice and how they were telling people about that new stuff. And in most cases, they just weren't telling anyone. The fact is, though, that product announcements, when they're done well, they can lead to step changes in growth for your company. At least that's been my experience in the six years I spent at Atlassian and the last three and a half at Intercom. If you look at traffic to our marketing site, 
and new signups, it looks like a big staircase, a big spiky one, with these big step changes in growth that coincide with our bigger product announcements. So the first thing that I did here was develop a framework to our approach to announcing new product. And you can read all about that on the Inside Intercom blog. We don't have time to dive into it tonight. If you head to my Twitter profile, it's pinned to the top of my feed. But I do bring it up since it's really important as there are a few common traps that are easy to fall into if you're not careful. Trap number one, you treat everything equally and you shout about everything because you assume that everything, every new thing that you ship, people care about. They don't. If you make the same noise or the same big deal about your redesigned sign-in page as you do about your new AI-powered augmented reality-driven bot, I guarantee you people will stop listening to you. One deserves attention and one does not. I think you can guess which one. Trap number two. You assume that just because something took you months to build or was a really hard problem to solve, that your customers are going to care about it. Now, I know that was a really hard problem for you to solve and it took you a long time to build it, but our customers probably won't give a shit. I'm sorry. Trap number three, and this is the biggest, especially once you add marketing to the mix. So be hyper aware of it. You overpromise and you underdeliver. Here's an example. You build a bunch of hype that you're going to change the way that everyone sees the world. And you start calling your users explorers. And then eventually, you ship a $1,500 pair of glasses with one fucking lens that makes you look like an asshole when you're wearing them. Sorry, Google. The point I want to make here is that in a world where you're constantly fighting and competing for people's attention, you need to be really thoughtful about what you choose to announce and how. Doing so will help you maximize the impact of the things that you actually want people to pay attention to. The worst thing you can do is make so much noise and build up all this hype that your product simply cannot live up to. If you do that, people will stop trusting you and you'll end up becoming the app that cried wolf. So not falling into these traps, that all starts with setting expectations within your company, like explaining why we're not going to get TechCrunch to cover that thing you spent six months building, or why we're not creating a new landing page for that problem that was really hard to solve. Usually, it's because there's not a great story to be told. And this is, in fact, probably the most important piece of effective marketing, because a good story it captures people's attention and it motivates action. So I had to show the product team the value of storytelling. And I'm going to go back a few years and talk a little bit about the very first announcement I worked on when I joined Intercom for this one. You can now track custom events in Intercom. That's not what I said, but I'm pretty confident and in all honesty that this is what the announcement probably would have looked like had marketing not been involved. Sure, it accurately described what was new, but it doesn't tell me why I would want to use it. The value in our events feature was, feature was that it actually let you send messages to your customers at the perfect time. So I told a story about how you could do just that with Intercom and do all the things you wanted to do with messages because you saw the value in doing them. And we'd never done this before. It was a big change for us, and it was another win for me, another level up. I was making some good progress. I actually think this was the moment that led to our PMs thinking, huh, maybe we should chat to that Australian lad in marketing before we're ready to ship something. That was a huge win for me. If there are any product marketers in the audience, I'm sure you'll agree. Now, 
At the same time, as product and marketing started to work closer together and we were involved earlier on in the development process, we started to experience a bunch more tension. And to show you that, I want to go back to the very first product we shipped in my earlier years at Intercom. And if you remember back to December of last year, we launched a new product called, sorry, not December last year, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is a good two and a half years ago. We launched a new product called Acquire. And I wanted to take this new product, Acquire, to market as our live chat product. But the product team, they were adamant that live chat was a relic of the past. And instead, what we needed to take to market was an asynchronous messaging product. You heard right. That's Paul Adams marketing at his very best right there. I have that in an email from Paul. I'll forward it to you if you like. I remember reading it and thinking, seriously, mate, are you fucking kidding me? Of course, I didn't say that to Paul, at least not in those words. And it wasn't that Paul was wrong or that the product team was wrong. In fact, they were 100% correct. It's just that we each had our own biases. Because if it's the product team's job to innovate and build the product of the future, then surely it's marketing's job to A, make sure people find that product, B, understand it, and C, convince them why they need it. So when we launched Acquire, there were more than 100,000 global monthly searches on Google for live chat software, and next to nothing for asynchronous messaging product. Now, Paul would then tell you, well, we need to build a bridge to the future. And I tell you, we need to get people to the bridge first. And that's where marketing can help. So if we've learned anything over the last three years, it's that you need to start with the story before you build anything. And this does not mean it's not marketing dictating your roadmap, but rather it's about getting shared alignment on that position that you want to hold in people's minds come launch, which is intrinsically linked to the problem you're solving and the value you aim to deliver. Now, we learned this the hard way with the launch of our newest product, Educate, which we did ship in December of last year. As we were getting closer and closer to launch, it became increasingly obvious that product and marketing simply were not aligned on what it was we were building and what we planned to take to market. And what happens when things are misaligned? Bad things usually happen. In this small exchange between Paul, our VP of product, and Rachel, who's a product marketer on my team, I think highlights and sums this up really well. This was overheard in a meeting about six weeks out from launch. Paul, Educate is not a docs product. Rachel, then why does our own help center, powered by Educate, live at docs.intercom.com? Crickets. Houston, we have misalignment. When we uncovered this misalignment, we made the really tough call to delay launch by a couple of months, or by a few months, actually. And this was bad. Educate, or launching Educate, was a company goal, and our financial forecasts were modeled based on it shipping on time. But in hindsight, it was absolutely the right decision to delay the launch. But after Educate was on the market for just two months and we could see that it was a $1.2 million business and growing, we were able to put a dollar amount on how much that misalignment cost us. And you can do the math. It was a very, very expensive inefficiency in our process. So we simply had to learn from it. And if you fast forward to today, anything that takes more than a week to build starts with product and marketing getting aligned on the story that we want to tell come launch. And this has been a fundamental shift in how we build new product in Intercom. And I'm a little biased, but I like to think it's been my biggest win of all. Don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of tension in getting that story right and getting aligned, but it's a really healthy tension that we believe leads to a better solution for our customers at the end of the day. Now, I've barely scratched the surface of the role that marketing now plays at Intercom, and while we still hear it all the time, 
We've built a great product, now we just need to add marketing. I hope I've convinced you there's a lot more to it than that. After all, if someone said, we've built a great product, now we just need to add some code, I think we'd all laugh at them. The two don't exist without the, without the other, just like our friends Batman and Robin. And we did not grow from one to $50 million in ARR in three years and bring 20,000 customers, paying customers with us along the way simply by just being product first. As a very wise man once said, if you built a great product and no one knew about it, did you build a great product? Product and marketing are two sides of the same coin, so you need to respect them as such. You've been listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more episodes, visit soundcloud.com slash intercom. If you'd like to subscribe, search for Inside Intercom in iTunes or Stitcher. And for even more great content, check out blog.intercom.com.